I'll use the lending money thing that I got myself into. I knew it was a mistake, but I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the good guy. There was a dynamic in my family growing up where, you know, it was like, she's just like her father. She's just like her dad. And my dad was always the bad guy. Everybody thought my dad was the bad guy. Now I've gotten older and I'm like, maybe he wasn't the bad guy. <laughs> After all, I was me constantly trying to compensate and not be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not the bad guy. Look, look, I'm the hero. Look, let me save your day, which mm-hmm. never worked. And I did it over and over this last go round where I made such a massive mistake that I had to really look at myself. Why did I do it? Because I wanted to be like the hero, the savior, the good guy. Why did I want to do that? And then it kind of comes back to that sort of childhood ego state of like, look, mom, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really a great kid. Look at all the things. Look, I share my candy. Thank you for stopping by the Pretty Intense podcast. I'm really excited to talk to this old friend of mine, uh, Jillian Michaels. So we go way back as in like, we used to be GoDaddy girls together. So it was really fun to catch up with her. She is known as a world-renowned personal trainer, author, and television personality, but you guys know who Jillian Michaels is. I thought it was really fun. We started off with like life's big lessons um, and she herself put them into buckets. It was like personal, uh, professional, and fitness. And then, you know, we kind of kept going into each of those categories a little bit more to kind of, you know, me just dig a little bit deeper. Um, so that was, that was very, very interesting and, 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 and something outside of the topic on some level for her, right? It's not just like, what diet should I do? Which we did talk about. There's just, there's a lot more to Jillian Michaels than just like the brand. Like she even does that herself. Like She's a really, she's actually a really pretty down to earth kind of rational person. I think that's, you know, that's what came through for me in the episode. So I think you're going to come away with some really, really good practical advice on everything from uh, hormones and blood testing, diets, trauma, how to deal with your emotions and why you do the things that you do, which include eating too much at times, all of that stuff, really, really good practical advice. So um, I think you're going to learn a lot today. Good to talk to my old friend, Jillian. And uh, if you guys like it, please subscribe. Please leave some comments. Let me know what you liked, what you didn't like. Actually, just actually. Okay, fine. You can let me know what you didn't like. That's fine. It's all good information. Um, But thanks for stopping by and don't forget to subscribe. You sound great and you look great. How the heck are you? It's been like a decade, like you said, since we were GoDaddy girls. Oh my God, buddy. Um, I'm good. Life is so different. I don't even think I had kids when we no, uh, I don't think you had were working kids together. No. You remember when we were at the GoDaddy holiday party and we were drinking tequila shots and um, you stole uh, Kid Rock's hairbrush. Did I steal Kid Rock's hairbrush? I, I, hairbrush? I, I don't you know. You stole his hairbrush. Oh God. One of us stole Kid Rock's hairbrush. Oh, Bobby. I do recall that. I, my, my memory is that you, you are the guilty party, but it, it very well could have been me. I'm, I'm saying so. <laughs> I do recall that, my friend. <laughs> something's changed. Something's haven't changed. I have a feeling we would both still do that today. Um, but yeah. I, I, I would I, still I, do tequila shots with you and I would still steal a brush, a hairbrush. Same. I kept same. that brush for a really long time, actually, especially just because it was Kid Rock's brush. Okay, people, I got to come clean. For years, my whole career was focused on reaching the destination faster than anyone else. But somebody once said, it's the journey, not the destination that means the most. And that's why today I'm all about appreciating the good things, 
the good moments we all experience in our day, making time for the small things. It's about living a life that's positively good, slowing down and enjoying the simple things like Good Foods Chunky Guacamole. It's only made with simple ingredients, fresh Haas avocados, tomatoes, cilantro, and fresh lime juice. So it always tastes great. Good Foods Chunky Guac is quick, simple, and easy. So grab a Good Foods Guac from your local grocery store so you have more time to savor the moments in your day. What, what happened to it? Why, why'd you? You know, I finally just gave up. You know, I just finally, oh. I finally moved for the 7,000th time. And I was like, well, you know, oh. say la vie. I do get that. People are like, what are they talking about? They stole Kid Rock's hairbrush. Jillian's upset she threw it away. It's all right, though. I, I don't take it personally, even though I imagine that it would remind you of me, but and you threw it away, but that's all right. Bud. Always, always. Yeah. I, I've, I, yes, of course. I just think of you as this tequila drinking thief. Um, <laughs> you and many others. So speaking of life changes, like, oh, I mean, you have kids now, you know, relationships have changed. Like, oh my God, what, what lessons have you been learning over the last 10 years? Like, what are some big ones wow. that like you look back at yourself 10 years ago and go, Hmm, oh, that was wow. going to be in the hard way, but I'm glad yeah. I know it now. That's so funny that you say that. I was just talking to um, my book agent and she keeps like needling me for a book. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's been said, it's been said. And I was like, the only thing I could think about writing right now is a book called What I Know Now. And it's exactly what you just said. It's how not to ruin your life on the on that ladder to success. Mm-hmm. And my God, there are some big ones. And I would have to say, listen, I I'm very fortunate. My uh my ex slash co-parent is a is a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, before you have, I would say my, one of the biggest mistakes, if I were to put them in buckets, right. Where it's like, if you said life and life was relationships, if you said work, work is, you know, obviously my biggest career mistakes. And then let's say fitness and a few, you know, being reckless, a few injuries I got along the way, I can really change the course and the quality of your life. Number one is do not have kids with an asshole. Don't do it. Like it's one thing to get married. She's not an asshole. I'm just saying I have friends who I've seen do it. And and um, it ruins their life. It's a prison sentence, yeah. literally a prison sentence, because you have to coexist with this person. And, you know, one or more tiny little humans in the mix that get, you know, torn asunder between two people that hate each other. And I've been fortunate to have had children with a decent human. So while we may have along the way had our differences, had our fights, come to blows about things, I wanted to move, she didn't want to move. You know, differences about the kids' education, differences about, you know, their health care, all of the things. We've managed to find a way forward, but I have friends who have not. And it, I, I think I would rather lose a limb than co-parent with a person that, it, it, you know, is just a nightmare. So if there's a, a relationship that's iffy, it's one thing to get married because there's divorce. <laughs> but you, you have, right? I mean, you know, I used to have it all backwards where I used to think, oh, you know, if you don't get married. You know, you, you don't have to worry about you know divorce. It's so wrong. Divorce is easy. It's <laughs> the co-parenting thing, you know, with someone you've split from, that's a completely different beast. And that one I would say is huge. Number one. The second one is 
never, what is it? Never a borrower or a lender be, do not lend money in particular to friends and family. Don't do it. You want to give them a gift, give them a gift. But one of the worst mistakes I have ever made, and I did it a couple of times, was lending money to family or people very close to me. Disastrous outcome. Do not do it. Don't do it. Like a divorce. You just also say goodbye to that money too. Yeah. <laughs> the person and the money. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Totally. They that's go together. Exactly right. Jeez. Oh my God. Huge, huge mistake. Um, work-wise, I would say, you know, as women, and I don't, I don't know if the world is changing effectively enough that this would be irrelevant. I still think it's very easy to say women are bitches. They're difficult, right? As much as it's like, oh, hashtag me too. And whatever. Girl, you and I have lived that life. Oh my God. And it's like, oh, she's so difficult. She's such a bitch. And you know, whereas men are assertive and strong and, you know, very good businessmen. Yes. Yes. Leaders. Oh, and there were so many times that I held back for fear of that label, which I got anyway. And every time I was like, oh, do I really want to start a thing about this? Do I really want to be difficult? What happened is that my concerns about the project came true. The TV show didn't work or the book didn't work or whatever it was didn't work. And then nobody wants to work with you again anyway, because nobody like success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. It's like, they don't work with you anyway. So if you just trusted your gut, it would have worked and they would have had to continue working with you, even though they would have called you a bitch and they would have called you difficult. So that kind of self-doubt in those moments, I think I've paid for dearly, really do think I've paid for dearly. Um, And when it comes to... In the heart of Napa Valley lays Somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The Somnium Vineyard Estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code Somnium to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. Physicality and overall health. Mm. Oh my God. I made, I have made mistakes that I never thought that I would make. And one was being overly confident with, with my fitness and thinking like, well, I can do that and I can do this. And it's, you know, crazy shit, like racing horses, you know, however fast across an open plane and, you know, (laughs) jumping jet skis over, you know, six foot swells. And, and I got away with all of it until one day I didn't. And one day I took a really bad fall and fractured my, um, my L3 and subsequently herniated three discs. And let me tell you, I never understood the meaning of pain until that happened. And now I have a very healthy respect. What happened? For, uh, what did you do? Dude, but I was just doing some stupid, like crazy stunts and ended up taking a spill and smacked my, my back really hard. Oh, just, you know, when you get caught up in like the Instagram shit of like, oh, here's oh, doing me, something cool. one-handed handstand and, you know, oh, or yeah. single, like for, for shits and giggles, like it serves no purpose. It's just, you know, I can do that. Or, well, let me do a, a flying push-up with the, you know, you tip, dip, dip your hands in water and like, all that crazy shenanigans that you do on social. And I ended up, you know, taking being so dumb just to see if I could do something and, you know, 
made a mistake, slipped and fell. And all those years of like being so careful and eating all the right foods and, you know, building my core strength and ba- balancing my biomechanics <laughs> in a second, fucked it all up. Fucked it all up. Another one, divorcing uh, your body. Bye. See bye. Yeah. You can come back to me in like two months. Oh my God. How and long were you out? Oh, three months. Couldn't walk, couldn't stand, had to crawl on the floor. Did you and, need surgery? Uh, no. Uh, not yet. Yes. And I say not yet because it feels in my mind, it's kind of like having a time bomb in the base of my spine. Mm. Um, Cause I'm like, well, what happens if one day I make a wrong move or I do the wrong thing and that's it, you know, you, you kind of only get one. So I, I was working um, with a doctor named Dr. Stuart McGill and he's a PhD. He's a scientist and this is his specialty is like studying the spine. Um, he's kind of like this crazy savant genius. And uh, you know, he got me through all the phases of it. But I'll never forget, you know, I was feeling really confident. I was pain free and I was like, I'm jumping rope and I did this and I did this. And he goes, listen, you will never have your old back back. Chill the fuck out. And I was like, wow. I mean, I, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like, wow, I, I did some real damage here. And there, you know, in life, you... Oh, you bring a meaning, you give it a meaning and you learn from it and you grow and you become wiser. But at the end of the day, sometimes you make a mistake and it's like you got hit by a bus. You're, you're, you're living without that leg for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? You, you, make, you make a mistake and you'll never get to that next level of success. Sorry to be a downer. It's, it's really more just like a warning. Be wise, be smart. And the younger you take that advice the better off you're going to be. But so often we don't pay attention to it until it's all falling apart. Right. You, know what I, you know what I mean? Like you don't read the book uh, about anti-aging until you're old. Yes. Shit. <laughs> yes. So, right. If anything, I would say like 20 year olds, 30 year olds, like pay attention, pay attention. Now, now is where it really matters yeah. in so many ways. Okay. Well, going backwards then, since we're hot on that topic, like was there, was there, I just have a question about each category. So was there a lesson? Cause I feel like I've in my life, like the really shitty things that have happened, I'm able to extract a really big lesson in it, or I'm able to develop empathy for in a way that I never had it before, because I might use, I might used to think in this way, like if, if I'm putting myself in your position before an injury, like it's not that big of a deal. You'll be fine. Like, make sure you do this. And like, you don't have empathy for someone who's going, I'm injured. You know, I might've said before, like, are you really that injured? Like, can you not do something? (laughs) Come on, get out of bed. What do you mean you can't walk? Oh, please. I know, dude. Right. So was there some like gem that did you, do you feel like your empathy for someone with an injury changed afterwards? Or was there a big life lesson from being on the DL for three months? You know, with the with the physical injury, yes, I got all of the above, a completely different understanding of people who live with pain because everybody had a horror story for me. It was like I this kid, this 30-something-year-old kid delivered a bed because we we moved to Miami and I'm laying on my stomach because I can't stand up. And he's like, You hurt your back, didn't you? And I was like, Yeah, how do you know? And he's like, I did the same thing. 
And he had like this, told me this horror story. And he's like, I live with pain, but I manage it 30 years old. And everybody, everybody, I live with pain. I live with pain. I live with pain. And I was like, Jesus. So I do think it has yet to reveal itself to me how, cause I don't really want to make money off of it. Cause it's like, it's not really, can't really be a book. It can't really be anything that I profit off of, but I wonder down the road, am I going to do something that helps people in chronic pain that don't know which way to turn, that don't have the right doctors, that don't know how to feel better? Um, I, I have, a, you're right, a different understanding, a much greater empathy because before it was like, oh, that sucks. You know, why don't you try swimming? Right, so. exactly. Do something, right? So maybe it's <laughs> not, stupid. maybe it's a character. Maybe it's like, an, maybe it's just an empathy and a, and a personality thing. Like, you know, there's stuff that I used to judge pretty hardcore. And now I look at it, look at some things now that I had to experience that I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Kind of like, I'm so sorry I judged before. <laughs> I know, right? You learn things. Might be a softening. Absolutely. Oh, um, I know. I'm we so don't want to get soft because we lose our edge, but we can never yeah. lose our edge. Even in those times where you say that you were tough and you didn't, or that you didn't want to be the tough one or be the more masculine sort of dictator on how things should go. And then it went bad. Like, you know, you still got the name, like being tough or hard or uh, whatever. Yes. You still got it because you can't, you can't. You can't not have your essence or energy come through. Oh, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I mean, and look, I will tell you without doubt, you're right. There's a major lesson to every one of these things. But, you know, and I was just talking to my shrink about this the other day. I was like, look, man, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow and I was in a wheelchair, I would definitely go the whole like, how do I inspire people? How do I live my <laughs> best life? I would make the, I would do my best to make those lemons into lemonade. However, Deep down, I would still be like, fuck, I'm never, never going to walk again. I'm never going to run again. I'm never going to ski again. And while I would say, listen, just like you, right? Like, let's make the lemonade out of lemons. What can we gain? How can we become deeper, wiser, more intelligent, and all of the above? If you can avoid getting hit by that bus and there's work you can do to prevent these mistakes, where it's like, look, dumb people never learn, right? Smart people learn from their own mistakes, but wise people learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> if there's anybody wise out there, I'm with us to, you know, avoid it. Take your life lessons in other ways, but you're, you are right. There are certain things I had to learn the hard way. And that was, that was absolutely one of them without fail, without question. You're right. In business, um, in that bucket of just kind of being yourself essentially. And, and it's not even just like a matter of like flexing a muscle that you have to be tough and be in charge. It's more, I mean, I feel like there's an essence of like, just like knowing intuitively what's right and wrong and speaking yeah. up for that. So what changed? Like, is there an example of something where you're like, I stuck to my guns and this happened. And this is an example of, I didn't stick to my guns and this happened. Um, here's a perfect example. It was like, how do we get Jillian off of the biggest loser onto a Jillian platform? That's about Jillian. And this is, right. I say, how do we like my business partner, myself, the people involved in trying to grow the brand that was my brand and not the biggest loser brand. So one example would be, um, the spinoff show called losing it with Jillian. Right. And um, the head of the network wanted it quick, wanted it now, wanted it fast. 
and gave us six weeks. It was like, okay, Jillian's going to move in with these families. We're going to come back in six weeks. And, you know, there's the reveal on it. He was in charge. And so I was like, this isn't going to work, man. Like, this isn't going to, like, you're going to go on this kind of like intense journey where, you know, this person lost a baby and this person went through like all these things that caused people to utilize food as a coping mechanism. And you need to move the bus. When we move the bus, that's biggest loser. Like the bus has to move. It's got to be like, look at that amazing transformation. Nobody can do that in six weeks. I can come back in six weeks. It can be 50 pounds later. And they look like they got a haircut. Maybe the payoff's not there. And he didn't want to hear it. And he called my business partner, John Carlo, who you've met. You tell that bitch to shut the fuck up or we're going to rethink our entire relationship with her. And I got scared. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I better. And of course, guess what? The show didn't work. And then Jillian Michaels can't carry her own vehicle. Mm -hmm. And then it was a disaster from that point on. Whereas maybe when I was riding high on the number one show on NBC and arguably one of the bigger draws on that show um, and had the highest Q score at the time, right? And had I maybe said, you know what, then I'm not doing it. Instead of having the failure under my belt that that created a stigma that nobody wanted to touch, right? It's like, well, she can't carry it. She couldn't pull it off. She couldn't do it. Had I just said no, Instead of allowing the fear to be like, okay, well, let me be the good girl. You know, I may not get this opportunity again. Like, let me do it. Such a big mistake, mama. Such a big mistake. And then there are other times where I, I learned the lesson. I did learn the lesson, but it's, you know, at a big cost, a big cost. There were some mistakes along the way in my career where I'm like, she's like Bugs Bunny. You know, do you ever see that Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's like, I knew I should have made that left at Albuquerque. And he's like totally lost <laughs> looking at his map, you know? And it's like, that's kind of exactly, you're like, God, I was not supposed to be here. Like I should have been over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are some really big mistakes that I made huge. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, we ended up kind of taking matters into our own hands as people were able to build their own platforms, mm-hmm. podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. And social media. Um, and I was able to grow and invest in other businesses uh, where we where we had all the say. So a perfect, or not all the say, but, but large control with a sure. few partners who are like-minded. So a perfect example, hopefully, is um, a company that we invested in called Alaya Naturals. It's run by this mom of two who, who had two kids in two years with an autoimmune condition and ended up, you know, really trying to figure out how to, to save her body. Her body was just in shambles and started seeing some of the best new registered dietitians and, and naturopaths and um, functional medicine doctors and came up with this line of like, anyway, these incredible formulations and these great ingredients. And I, I loved her and I loved it. And instead of licensing Jillian Michaels for a product that's obvious about weight loss, which I don't really want to do, but it's low hanging fruit. I was like, I really think this is going to be the way forward in nutraceuticals and supplements. And we invested in this woman, took her from a million dollars in sales to what this year will be $26 million in sales. And she's got uh, now went from a 9% profit margin last year to a 15% profit margin this year. 
But we were able to say like, no, we're not doing that. And no, we're not going to market it like that. And no, we're not using these messages. And yes, we're going to do it this way because we were self-contained and didn't have to fight with anyone. And I was able to trust my gut. And, you know, I had people around me who trusted me. And now hopefully it looks like, you know, they're in talks to sell the company. And if they don't sell the company, they'll keep it and grow it to the next level, which is 50 million in sales um, and sell it there. But yeah. Whenever I was able to, to trust my God, it always worked. And whenever I went against it, it never worked. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Never. Disaster. Who can even, I mean, I feel like if you think back to all the things that you had an, you know, an intuition about and had that gut feeling about, and you go, was your gut ever wrong? And it's usually like, um, mm. <laughs> No, I, I can't remember when it was ever wrong, right? It's usually right on Not target. Once. Yep. And then okay. you're going, I knew it. Right. I knew it. Oh, I knew it. Right. Every time. Dude, right. every time. Trust your gut. That's a good lesson. Um, never bad to reaffirm that one. Even though we know it, it's like, how many examples do we need? Okay. So personally, so don't have kids with the wrong person because it's a it's a life sentence. Definitely is um, I can see that. Um, thank God I, n- I never did that. Um, oh my God! What, you, I'm wondering mama. if there's like an emotional <laughs> like what's a self reflective lesson? Like sure, it's like don't be with the wrong person. That's outside of you, but inside of you, what changed? Did you did you change so that you attracted or liked a different kind of person? Did you did you create yeah. a boundary that all of a sudden changed your life? You know, I think most people, if they're open to it, could benefit from therapy for a little while. And in certain families, right? It's like, oh, you're, I'm not crazy. I don't need someone to listen to me. It's not about that. It's about making our unconscious patterns conscious mm-hmm. so that we don't continue to play out the same mm-hmm. patterns mm-hmm. that are destructive, right? These repetition mm-hmm. compulsions. So for example, I'll use the lending money thing that I got myself into. I knew it was a mistake. I felt it with every cell in my body but I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the good guy. And there was a dynamic in my family growing up where, you know, it was like, she's just like her father. She's just like her dad. And my dad was always the bad guy. Everybody thought my dad was the bad guy. Now I've gotten older and I'm like, maybe he wasn't the bad guy (laughs) after all. Um, And it's it's interesting because it actually brought me to find a real kind of healing with my dad. But I was me constantly trying to compensate and not be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not the bad guy. Look, look, I'm the hero. Look, let me save your day, which mm-hmm. never worked. And I did it over and over and over again um, until this last go round where I made such a massive mistake playing it out and it backfired so badly that I had to really look at myself and be like, all right, I knew it. Once again, right, trust your guy. I knew not to do it. Why did I do it? Because I wanted to be like the hero the savior, the good guy. Why did I want to do that? And then it kind of comes back to that sort of childhood ego state of like, look, mom, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really a great kid. Look at all the things. Look, I share my candy. Look, I, you know, all that deep shit that should have been worked through and played out negatively. Whereas 
you know, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. I am in therapy and I've learned a lot from therapy, but I love therapy. You don't need to justify it in any kind of way. I have one to two therapists at all times. Okay, I mean, it, it saved me from a lot of those mistakes, but some of them I end up having to make the hard way. Right. Um, and another one I will say with my back, before I knew, here's what's crazy is I didn't know what was wrong with my back because all right, this is going to sound nuts, but when I fell, I just thought like I bruised it really bad. And then there was a lot going on in my life and I was moving and it was creating all the stress between my ex and I, because of the kid, all this. And I was like, Oh, my back, I'm so stressed out. I'm just so tight. My psoas is really tight. Well, my hips are tight. Well, I haven't been without realizing like, yo, idiot, you fractured your spine. And I was doing all the wrong shit and having people walk. I mean, cause it just oh, didn't gosh. occur to me. I did not occur to me that I could have had such an injury because I'm, I'm Jillian Michaels. I would never have such an injury. How could that be a thing? That would never happen to me. And I kept thinking in my mind, like, it's just all this stress. It's just all this, like this sort of resentment I have over, over this or that, or this or that. Um, and my ex, you know, were playing out this dynamic where like, she was kind of like my mother. Right. And I was like, look, you know, look, all these things I've done for you. And she was playing out something with me where I was kind of like the, you know, the oppressive parent, anyway, the controlling parent, make a long story short, the pattern, the same pattern before Dr. McGill read the MRI. I was like, you fractured your spine. How did you do that? And I all of a sudden pieced it all together. I thought that it was like, I was like, I've got to let whatever is sitting on my chest with all of this go. And it's like the way they say, I'm being angry and holding a grudge is, is drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Right. And I used to hear it all the time and be like, yeah, that's cute. But like, I'm not Jesus. So that's, that's a great, you know, love your whole sounds good, but I'm just not that big of a person. And I couldn't figure out, right. If something is antagonizing you, actively antagonizing you, like if there's a wasp stinging you on the arm, how do you not get pissed at that? How, how do you know? And for some reason, this, this thing with my back made everything else seem like nothing. And made me realize that whatever I was holding on to was stressing me out to such a degree. And I still do think the stress attacks the part of your body where you're the weakest. Mm. And I think that all of, I was like, I just don't even care anymore. Like that dynamic, whatever we were caught up in stopped. I, I, I was just, I was like, you know what? You're going to do this. And normally this would drive me crazy. And instead I was like, I don't even care. I, 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 I surrender, go do that, do it. I, I, you're the winner. I give up. I surrender. And in doing so, it actually made my ex calm down. And it made me all the torture I got from thinking sh something was wrong or not right or going to be, I just didn't even care anymore. I didn't have the ability to care anymore. I couldn't stand. And I was able to, for the first time in my life, realize that whatever shit we hold on to, really, I felt, I felt the poison of drinking it for the first time. And now I'm 99% of the time now, whatever it is. And it did also help me kind of reconnect with my dad after 30 years. Interesting. I was like, life is way too short for this shit, man. Doesn't mean you can't have boundaries. You need your, obviously, right? Like you have yeah. your boundaries. Um, but the bitterness and the anger, I try to let it just. <laughs> it's amazing how, when I've noticed this in my own life, especially with my family, that 
when I finally let go of things, wanting to be a certain way, wanting them to be a certain way or expecting something, trying to make a difference, when I finally just accept things for what they are, where they're at and and be at peace with that, or at least just accept that, it doesn't mean it's peaceful. It just means that it's just the way it is. Um, It's amazing how on the other side of that shift, they actually just start to change in the way that I had always hoped. It's like the weirdest thing. It's like we hold on to this energetic imprint with our opinion of them. It it almost like it almost reinforces it. It perpetuates it. And as soon as you let go of that pattern, then all of a sudden the the pattern actually starts to change within the other person. Have you noticed that? Okay. I just went through this with my daughter and this kid broke me in half. I'm serious. <laughs> no one's officially broken me in half until this kid, this kid in conjunction with the <laughs> stuff going first, on. With my, right. Um, well, I, I got them at the same time. So she's okay. technically you older, adopted but, as well. Right. So is it the adopted, so the adopted child, my, okay. my daughter. Yeah. So technically I adopted my son, but my ex had him and Right, because right, God, right. if there is a God, has an amazing sense of humor. It all happened at the same time. Right. Um, so this kid is just very much like I do what I want. And, you know, some of those things I do what I want, you know, as a parent, you're like, oh, shit. You know, you, you just it's like you do real damage, like things I can't undo for you. And the world is very different place than when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. I do what I want could be like, I'm going to experiment with drugs. Well, all right. You might have a bad night. You might mm-hmm. throw up all night long, but as long as you didn't get in the car, you know what I mean? No one died. You live now. There could be a grain of fentanyl on whatever the hell that is. And it's like, you're right? dead. It's over. It's finished. It's not baby laxative in that anymore, dude. It's, it's like night, night, you will die. She's not doing drugs. She's very young. But my point is, some of these decisions, some of these things that they get into, like on the iPad and these group chats, they're, they're life ending. Like, I think you heard about that, that 25-year-old maybe who worked for Teen Vogue, who was a like editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue and at 15 years old made it like a racist or a homophobic tweet. 15. And they fired her, canceled her, blackballed forever. Oh, from 10 yeah. years previous, because now... This is it a girl or guy here? She's 25 girl. working at the she's working at 25 years old, but now go back 15 years and they found it and sort of basically like ruined her life. Ruined her and life. It, wow. It's like these things that like, you know, or she'll whatever she gets herself into. And finally, I got to the place with this kid where I was like, OK, I've got you in a special program at school. We've got you, you know, with a with a therapist. We've got you with a psychiatrist for ADD. Like we've got you with a tutor. We've got like it. It. And I, I look, and she still would like go blind to mm. me, do that. And I, I looked at her one day and I said, listen, on my deathbed, all I need to know from myself, Lou, <laughs> is that I dotted the I's and I crossed the T's and I did the best that I could do for you. And beyond this, you want to go around me, you're going to win. Like you're working 24 seven to beat me and you're going to win. Cause I got to sleep, dude. I got to live my life. I got to work. Like you're going to win. You want to go out of the house in this outfit or you want to say something on your iPad or you want to watch something you got around me, you caught it on TV, you downloaded it, you found a way, like you got on TikTok, you you did all these things, you will win. So whatever you do to yourself, like I'm going to do my best to make sure you don't get physically hurt, you don't unintentionally hurt someone else. 
And that's all. And I'm going to live with that. And I'm going to be good with that, dude. And it was Danica. I don't know what happened, but the minute I like kind of gave up, not on her, but on trying to control, you know, what she saw, what she did, how she, you know, all the tests, she, the grades went from F's and D's to A's and B's. And I I was like, what the hell? Like, and she, you know, she did something and she goes, I wanted to do it, mom. I fucked up. And I was like, and she's like, I shouldn't have done it. I'm not going to do it again. And I was like, listen, it's not, not we're not, I'm not the perfect mother by any means. And things are not going to be perfect. And I expect many more bumps in the road, but you're right. It was like the minute I kind of was like, okay, I don't feel guilty. Like I gave up on you. I don't feel like I, there was something I could have done and I didn't do. And at this point, like, yeah, you still got to try. We're not saying don't try, but at some point in time, you have to know when to surrender and know when to let go. And I think that's like a really hard lesson that comes with time. You can't, you just can't control everything. You can't. And it's like, it's that sort of omniscient desire of like, no, 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 no. I refuse to feel helpless in the world. Like I, I will manhandle this. I will make it what it needs to be. And the minute you realize you actually can't, you're not capable. Yeah. That is that serenity prayer, right? Of like, yeah. give me the courage to change the things I can. And you know, the wisdom, wisdom to know, know that whatever. Yeah. yeah that one. Yes. It's that combo. It's that fine line. Yeah. And I think in my personal relationships, it's like, all right, I don't want the regret. I'm going to do what I think is right. But beyond that, I, I, at some point you have to let go. You have yeah. to, you have no choice. What about, I feel like this plays into something that I'm really curious about. And I feel like you have a lot of experience seeing this um, with, with, you know, clients is, and people that you've worked with, but the effects of trauma and emotional baggage and the body, I just, I kind of have a little bit of a theory that, um, mm. that some that are overweight that can't lose weight, it's actually like an emotional protection layer associated with, because I think a lot of people, and I'm grateful I'm not one of them, have dealt with a lot of incest or rape or, you know, molest, being molested. And so I think there's a lot of protection layers put on what, what, what have you seen in, in your time with working with so many people that are dealing with that? That's so funny. You've brought up the two things that were so in the kind of needling from my, my, um, my agent who was my editor in books. I was like, there's only one other thing I would write in the space. And, um, she's like, well, what is it? And I was like, well, it's, it's the reason diets don't work. Right. This is why you're quote fat kind of a book Mm. and which you cannot even say the word anymore. And the answer is not physiological. It it can become physiological because it becomes biochemical and neurological as a side effect Mm -hmm. of repeated emotional emotions, thoughts, and behaviors, which can impact obviously your neuroplasticity and your biochemistry. When somebody is using food to the degree that they become 50 pounds overweight, 100 pounds overweight, it's, it's an addiction like any other addiction. So there's a type of therapy called transactional analysis, but essentially it's a decisional model that helps to empower people over time to make different choices and to see the role they play and where they are now. I take umbrage with a lot of the messaging nowadays of like, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. Because if you're constantly telling somebody that they are a victim of, who knows, diet culture or this, that, or the other, even though, yes, at times we've been victims and yes, we've been marginalized, but if you're always giving that message, 
and then you're co-signing the message of it's okay, you're essentially disempowering someone to make a change. So we make these decisions generally unconsciously to eat more or to be bigger because at one time in our life, it meant our psychological survival. And it could be, right? So it could be that you've, you, yes, you might have been incested, molested. It could be a protective layer. It could be um, part of fulfilling something called an injunctive message. So for example, let's say it's, you know, the parent has their own generational trauma, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. don't be important. Don't be too successful. Don't be, and maybe you sabotage it by putting on the weight for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can give you a very, very um, tangible example. There was a kid that I worked with on Biggest Loser and he's doing great. He's 18 years old. He showed up with his dad on this like pears season and uh, they both lost like a crazy amount of weight, like a hundred pounds in, I don't know, eight to 10 weeks. And they go home for the holidays. Uh, so, you know, on the show, it was always like, oh, they went home as a test, but it was, it was the holidays. So they go home for the holidays, like all the other contestants and they come back and everybody starts weighing in. This one lost seven pounds and this one lost six pounds and that one lost 10 pounds. The dad gets on the scale and he loses nothing. So the whole room is silent. And I'm like, all right, that's weird. Then the kid gets on the scale and he gained like six or seven pounds. And immediately all the other contestants start co-signing the bullshit, right? It's like, oh, traveling and there's no healthy food at the airport. And like, oh, you know, the food desert. And uh, I was like, all right, everyone shut up. So the, the next day I sit down with this kid and I was like, all right, walk me. Just we're leaving here. Take me through every single step. So if we start out with the baloney of like, there's no food at the airport and I, oh, I didn't pack my snacks right and all that nonsense. I couldn't work out. I'm like, uh-huh. I know. Yeah. So he gets home and the door to the house opens and everybody's there, right? All the friends and all the extended family. And they see him and they see his dad being like hundred pounds smaller and mom is there and mom starts sobbing. And I do not mean tears of joy. Mom is also obese and upon seeing right much thinner fitter healthier son and husband immediately feels abandoned like they're going to outgrow her they broke the contract right so she becomes depressed and she emotionally withdraws what does the kid do well he starts eating again with his mom what does the weight afford him an emotional connection to his mother and losing it has triggered primal abandonment for him. Mm-hmm. So that's just one of the way. Now, do you think he sees it? Of course he doesn't see it. He doesn't know. He doesn't consciously understand, yeah. but helping people try to understand why tried to show them how, what was helping them survive at one time is killing them now and then giving them the tools to gradually begin to expose themselves to these feelings they've defended against for so long Mm -hmm. is really the only way forward. And that's where things like, you know, and I piss off a bunch of people, but I just don't care. You know, intuitive eating, it's like, oh, just stop eating when you're full. doesn't work that way. That's not why they're (laughs) eating. It's not that they're not registering a feeling of fullness. And not only that, 
when you overeat, you, you've already changed your ability to register that feeling of fullness. You've yeah. changed those hormones that are signaling satiety. Mm. You've got leptin resistance. You've changed, like they're starting to see changes in the brain in people that are obese, like thickening of the cerebral cortex and different synapse connections. And be, because the, and so it gets neurologically reinforced and biochemically reinforced and psychologically it means something they're not ready so it's like oh just you know just oh this way we don't feel deprivation and i'm like oh my god like not only are you just barely scratching the surface of this issue but the only way forward is to gradually expose people to those feelings that they're trying to defend against. Right, right. To it's heal. They think that if they if they don't do, you know, otherwise it's death, right? So they're still in survival mode. Got to show them they can survive it. Basically, what this boils down to is everyone needs a really good shrink. Yes. <laughs> and you played the shrink for a lot of people for a long time. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes I, you know, could have could have pushed a little less aggressively. Um, but unfortunately, in, in the scenario of Biggest Loser, you know, people would go home. So whereas, you know, far more responsible individual might not open them up to these things so quickly, because they're so defended, you know, that they're, they're they need, it needs to be more gradual. In that weird scenario, you don't really have a choice. You kind of you could go home in a week, they could go home in two weeks, you had to throw it out there and hope for the best. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Well, all right. Thank you. That was a, I think that would be a really impactful story for people to hear, to understand that there's more to the story than just the chicken breast on your plate, right? There's, there's a whole psychological um, understanding to weight and where it comes from and why. So, okay, let's go a little bit more like general dude there's a million diets out there in the world right okay and i feel like it's like the hottest time ever for a million different diets what have you tried what the hell works what doesn't work and what's kind of the best for us overall or what what do you even what do you do what do you do let's just look at human beings as human beings who want to be generally healthy and fit right there's there is an answer to this question and it's very very simple number one don't overeat and as much as people are like, that's just, well, it's not true. Yes, it is. There's no question that it's true. It's called the law of thermodynamics. Mm. Yeah, it's very simple. It means energy is not created or destroyed in a vacuum. So calories are units of energy. Our food contains calories. Now, whether the food is healthy or not is actually in large part irrelevant when it comes to being bigger or smaller. And there are two great things that I, I refer people to to check out. One is called The Mathematics of Weight Loss, and it's a TED Talk by a biochemist named Ruben Meerman. And he explains the simple math, the kindergarten math of mm. calories, right? And how it leads to fat storage, because calories that don't get burned get stored in our fat cells, period. Fat is just stored energy. What it does in the body is a different conversation, but that's, that's how it got there, right? Mm. And then there's something, um, this guy, his name is, I believe it's Mark Haub, and he did a study on himself called the Twinkie Diet. And it's been a minute since I've referenced this, but I believe he did it for 10, I think it was 10 weeks, and he ate nothing but, um, oh God, like convenience store garbage, hence the term Twinkie Diet, but he ate less of it. 
much less of it. I think it was somewhere between 1,600 to 1,800 calories a day. And he lost 27 pounds. And everyone's like, well, it, you know, still probably super unhealthy. Yeah, it's definitely not ideal. But he also lowered his bad cholesterol significantly, raised his good cholesterol a little bit, and had overall improvement in his wellness markers. Hmm. So, of course, listen, no, skinny people get cancer, skinny people have heart attacks. But the first thing you do need to appreciate, regardless, is that you cannot overeat. You just can't. I don't care if it's avocados or pecans or blueberries or wild salmon. Yes, that has a ton of wonderful nutrition in it. The omega-3s and the vitamins and the minerals, that's wonderful. But energetically speaking, if you yeah. take too much in, you will store it and too much excess fat in the body messes up your endocrine system, lodges itself in your brain, your liver, your pancreas, your heart. It's called ectopic fat and it can come from an avocado just mm. the same way it can come from a Twinkie. So you don't want to overeat. It's called balance, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, in a perfect world, if we didn't, if you are an individual who does not use food as a coping mechanism, you kind of do have the ability to register when you're full. That's a person that's like 20 pounds overweight, right? That gets dad bod, that gets stressed, and you know, is like, I really shouldn't have this extra bite, but I want it. I had a shitty day, I'm gonna have the extra glass of wine. That's that person. It's like you kind of know when you could yeah. be done, right? Yeah. Okay. I know it. I'm guessing you know it when you're like, I am full. Yeah. Probably should stop. Okay. Now, macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbs. You need all three of these things. You do. You do. You just do. They all serve a purpose. You need them all. And the key with these things is to eat them in their most obviously healthy form. Whole grains, nuts and seeds, beans and legumes, fruits and vegetables, right? Complex carbohydrates. Fruits are fine. They're fine. They're perfectly fine. They're great for you. I could go on and on and on about all of the health benefits of pomegranate and papaya and pineapple and bananas. Like beyond, like for example, pomegranate helps you support a little microbe in your gut called acromancia. Acromancia is one of the most important microbes in helping your body to prevent and fight cancer. This isn't coming from me. This is coming from a guy named Dr. William Lee, who's one of the best in the game. If you're not eating pomegranate because it's not on the keto diet, big mistake. And the list, the list goes on. Digestive enzymes, all of those things, all of those polyphenols, those are complex carbs, all great. Okay, now, healthy proteins, eggs, right? Wild caught fish, chicken, doesn't, it doesn't actually need to be chicken breast. It can be chicken thigh, chicken leg. It's just, once again, it's got more energy, that's all. So you have to eat a little less of that dark meat than you would of the white meat because it's got more energy. Grass-fed, grass-finished beef, fermented dairy. Fantastic. I think we all have seen this episode of Dr. Oz, right? right. No. Healthy fats, polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, and saturated. It's not going to kill you. You don't want a ton of it. It's also not going to have that functional property of being anti-inflammatory and great for your heart health and great for your cognitive function that the polyunsaturated and the monounsaturated are going to have. Mm -hmm. So that comes down to common sense, right? Common sense, which is we all know that having uh, quinoa instead of mashed potatoes out of a box is going to be a better option. Now, no one's going to be perfect. So when you are eating the foods, and I like to think of them on one to 10, right? So 10 is, is actively 
preventing and even potentially reversing disease across the board of diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and all of the 170 things that come with a shitty diet and comorbidities from glaucoma and erectile dysfunction. The list goes on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, literally 170 of them that are all linked to being overweight and having a bad diet. So top 10 foods are the, the wild caught fish, the organic blueberries, the, all the things we just talked about. Number one foods, foods on the, the bottom of the scale are going to be, you know, this place. And I'm all, I'm all filled up on lawsuits, but the, you know, the drive through yep, stuff them. that contributes actively stuff contributes, that you know, is probably not the best yeah. thing. stuff with the chemicals and the fake fats and the fake sugars and the real refined sugars and the processed right. grains and all the junk. Okay. I'm cool with five and 10, five to 10. So a five food is the food that's like the organic version of the potato chip. Doesn't have the, all the chemicals and the pesticides, the herbicides, the fungicides, and all the fake ingredients. Sure. It's processed, whatever. It's not going to kill you if you don't overeat it, obviously. Certainly not going to save your life. But if you live five to 10 and you don't overeat, you'll be fine. You'll be just fine. Especially if you're sleeping, you're moving your body a couple times a week, you're managing your stress level, you're drinking your water, you'll be fine. And if you need it even more, sort of dialed in ratio, eat the five foods 20% of the time. And 20% is very literal. If I'm getting 1800 calories a day, okay, well, 20% of that is going to be around 400 calories. I don't eat more than 400 calories of five foods. And then 1400 calories of my allowance, the other 80% is going to be the better for you stuff. Yeah. It's, and then unlimited vegetables. So it's, it's kind of like, dude, it's, you know, stop eating when you're full, use common sense, eat your foods as whole as you can go with the better quality version of those things where you can afford it and where you can't be smart. You know, like if you can't afford the organic raspberry, get an orange, less pesticide, fungicide, herbicide, get the skin off, Um, anything you can get the skin off, right? Bingo, thick skin, right? So the dirty dozen, you can't go organic, you avoid thin skin, stuff that has more pesticide, herbicide, fungicide. Um, and then the clean 15 is the alternative, the stuff with less that you can get away with not going organic with far less ramifications, negative ramifications to your health. But a great book that I also recommend, which everybody knows about, but no, you know, not everybody reads is called the blue zones. And guess what? You know, these are the people that around the world that live to be a hundred and hundred plus, what are the common through lines? One of them is predominantly plant-based. And 60, I think it's like 60% of their diet are complex carbohydrates. Right. Yeah. 60%. It's like so grains it's and beans far. and stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's where it's like, I see these things and it just, it makes me bonkers. Because it really is just. Common sense. Yeah. yeah. Don't ever eat. Use your common sense. You're going to be good. Move Would and sleep. You say- You'll be good. Would you say that paleo is a pretty good guideline then? Because there's still carbohydrates on that. Okay. So here's the only thing about paleo. It's it's not real. And um, another great TED talk uh, on this one, and I'll have to find it for you. But but um, it's by an anthropologist. There's no such thing as the paleo diet. It's bullshit. It comes from uh, a diet in the 70s, I think called like either, I think it was the caveman diet. Um, and the reason it's bullshit, not to say it's bad for you, but just, yeah. just hear me out on this. 
There's no such thing. Here's why there's no such thing. First of all, in Paleolithic times, human beings were scattered across the globe. Some lived in the rainforest. Some lived in the Arctic tundra. So the diet of Paleolithic men was extraordinarily diverse, right? They were eating whatever they could get their hands on. Yeah. Um, the spinach in the, uh, you know, when it's avocado didn't exist. Yeah. No, there was no such thing. It was like a cyanide capsule in avocado. We have turned an avocado into an avocado through years of agriculture. Like yeah. we are controlling these crops, carrots, avocado, right. all, through through hundreds of years of agriculture, right. turning I mean, this into like, an avocado. And I get it. Like I guess, like a if we're using paleo paleolithic which it's short for right it's not the same but i'm just saying as a guideline for people is paleo a good diet, diet? like if we just yeah. let's just call it paleo just for some different word it has <laughs> nothing to do with paleo at the time yeah the paleo diet is is that a good diet like, it's pretty yeah it really if you if you kind of take away the, the yeah like the meaning um, generally speaking, yes. And, and, but if you really needed like an overall obvious guideline, the Mediterranean diet is pretty much mm. the one to go to. And Got it's it. not because it's hummus. It, it's not that you need to eat grape leaves. Again, it's a blend of macros sure. in their most whole form. It's the, it's not yeah. a ton of animal protein, predominantly plant-based, high fiber, healthy fats. It's the same story. It's just the right blend of macros in their idyllic form, but it doesn't have to be Mediterranean foods. That's right. if that makes sense. It doesn't have to be a chickpea yep. and a grape leaf for you to get that same fat in a different type of cuisine or that same type of fiber in a different type of cuisine. Mm -hmm. It's just the right blend of macros, macros in conjunction with a healthy lifestyle. They, they're very social. They're active people. They've got a very meaningful life. Like again, right. you go to the, when you look at the blue zones, you have the same, it's the same snapshot. It could be Japan. It could be the Mediterranean. It could be the paleo diet. It's all kind of the same story. If you were to take someone speaking about like, just like the other lifestyle side of it, if you were to take someone who was like, um, you know, sedentary sort of life ish, like maybe they have a desk job, they have to ride a train or drive a car or whatever. Like there's a lot of sitting within their life, but they work out like four or five times a week. Um, you know, really great workout, strength training, some cardio, that kind of stuff. Or someone who has just an active lifestyle, never does any purposeful fitness, never lifts a weight ever, but they're very active. They have a physical job. They are, you know, they love to go try new things. They get out hiking. They have a garden. Like if you had to pick one of those people for like what the healthiest, what you think the best, the best life is for, um, I'm going to say not longevity. Cause I feel like I know which one's the answer for that, but for, <laughs> for, for physicality for like, if someone wants an ideal look, which one will do better? Okay. Well, an ideal look is going to be the focus training in the gym. Longevity and health is going to be the latter of an active lifestyle. Hands down. It's proven. It's well-known. Um, as long as there's diversity. So repetitive things are going to create repetitive stress injuries. But if you look at people that are the healthiest in the world, it's the ones that walk to work every day. And it's right. the ones that are, you look know, Europe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, 
steady level of activity, not too much physical stress in conjunction with being totally sedentary. Now, if you want six pack abs, it's a different conversation. I mean, if you want an aesthetic, then yeah, you're going to kind of need to get in the gym and it's not because it's not an easy thing to obtain for most people. So it does require a little manipulation of, all right, we need to blast off subcutaneous fat. And being having a look and an aesthetic, right, is kind of different than being healthy overall. Now, you can have both. But if I took a person that generally might want to lose 15 pounds to the doctor because they're a size six, but they want to be a size two, I would bet you... They're probably going to be healthy. They're generally, in fact, there's, we need a certain amount of subcutaneous fat, and it's considered generally like healthy. Yeah, but it doesn't come with six pack abs. So, do you know? What I, do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. And like anything, like the the don't be a dick diet that we talked about, um, <laughs> it's like you know, kind of like that in life. Don't be, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't think that you're going to have six pack abs if you don't work out, but also don't think that you're going to live a long life if all you do is grind and sit at a desk and then find a few workouts a week to also grind something out. There has to be, there has to be some other modes. Um, I'm curious about, you know, you and I were, we're over 40 now. I'm a couple of weeks over 40. Um, What about the club? It's not so bad. Thank you. It's not (laughs) so not so bad. What about the role of um, hormones? I feel like, you know, even guys, you know, when we're talking about testosterone, you know, they don't worry about estrogen, progesterone, some of those things. They might worry about thyroid. I mean, vitamin D is important and that plays a big role. But like, I feel like, you know, I've kind of gone through some things over the last year and, you know, um, figuring things out. And and, uh, I've realized that, you know, kind of the beginning conversation about I've learned some things that make me have more empathy for others. Like, (laughs) so hormones talk about it. Like, you know, what point in time do people need to have them checked? Or is it just like a, there is no point in time that you get to, you should always have them checked and what the frequency should be. And cause I feel like, you know, I've experienced just like, there's some shit that just gets in the way and doesn't allow you to achieve the results that you want to achieve because life happens. Yeah. Um, I, I see this goes back to kind of that conversation about grabbing people as early as you possibly can, even though we tend not to check until there's a problem. Right. So, you know, it's like, well, why am I, can't I get off this 10 pounds or why do I feel exhausted all the time? Or why am I having trouble getting pregnant? Or why do I have brown spots all over my face or what, you know, then you're like, geez, what's going on? And hopefully it would drive that individual to an endocrinologist. By the way, in large part, it often doesn't, which is kind of disappointing. Um, But you should, you should be going to the doctor like teenage. They should be checking it, man. You could have, I had PCOS as a teenager. Why? Polycystic ovarian syndrome to the hospital with bursting cysts twice as a teen. It matters. It mattered then. It matters now. And fortunately, I had a few things happen to me younger that I was able to kind of be very aware of it. That being one, another thing being at, I think, 30, I started to get brown spots on my face. And I was like, 
what is this? Melasma? Oh, is that called melasma? Bingo. Melasma. Mm-hmm. Oh, the pregnancy mask. And I was like, yep, I'm not pregnant. Exactly. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Um, and so it drove me to the endocrinologist and I ended up writing a book called Master Your Metabolism with uh, one of the people who I think is um, one of the best board certified endocrinologists in California. Uh, and it was, it was a huge, it ended up being a big bestseller because so many people were struggling. So listen, I would say every year, you get your physical, right? You get your physical with your internist and your OBGYN. Um, And you do all the checks and scans and the blood work, period. And they'll tell you, okay, your vitamin D is low. Oh, your estrogen is too high. Or this is your progesterone's off or your thyroid hormones funky. And I prefer an upstreamist approach um, to to hormone balance. And I don't know if, uh, if you ever saw this, another TED talk, um, but it I love my talk, so maybe I have. Um, basically, it's uh, how do I make this not too long? Essentially, the, the approach is that these guys are looking for what's going wrong. These kinds of doctors are looking for what's going wrong as opposed to treating symptoms, right? So it's like, oh, we're going to throw birth control at it. We're going to throw levothyroxine at yeah. it. We're going to throw hormone replacement therapy at it. It's not to say it's not the right thing. But mm-hmm. understanding what's going wrong is more important in the first place. Oh, so yeah. they, once they kind of are like, oh, this is interesting. This could be going wrong. That could be going wrong. This could be going wrong. You could be getting xenoestrogens from too much of this. Cut this out. Try this, try this. You know, then if you still need, because like right now, I, I'm not on birth control for PCOS. I haven't been since I was, I got off of it when I was 17. Like I stopped taking it. I noticed things I didn't like about it and started finding ways to manage it and having that an issue in almost three decades. Um, I've always had a little bit of hypothyroidism or I don't want to say always I did. And I found out when I went for the melasma check and when I started like going organic, removing all this crap from my environment, I had nodules on my thyroid, the whole thing. So I monitor them, but I don't take any medicine for my thyroid. Mm. Now it's not to say somebody should not take medicine. I'm not a doctor. Please go, go to your doctor. I'm simply saying there are ways to put your body in balance naturally that mm-hmm. will help, right? That should help prevent these imbalances. And once again, they're obvious. So sleep. You want to get eight hours of sleep. Another big health trend right now is sleep hygiene, which really just means what we all know. Sleep's important. If you're having a hard time getting your sleep, there's sleep hygiene to help you drill down on how to fix it. You know, no blue light, blue light blockers, and no alcohol before bed because it ruins your middle cycle of sleep and sleep sleep makes a big 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 difference try to remove chemicals from your cleaning supplies your beauty products your food they're major endocrine disruptors they they wreak havoc in your body hence the the term like xenoestrogens they mimic estrogen they can create a host of issues and when i got off of that stuff and i was pretty careful about it the melasma I stay out of the sun, mind you, but like major improvement, major, major improvement. So the common sense of removing chemicals where you can, right? Yeah. Use the green, use natural oils on your face. Yeah, like yeah. there's a million companies. You makeup. Need- I mean, I've literally like, I'm thinking to myself, I do all those things. I'm like, but makeup, I just kind of buy it. Like, is there actually like a good chemical free makeup? <sighs> There's different brands out there. Do I have to um, pinch my cheeks for for to put blush on, basically, like in the good old. No, days? you don't. Um, and I actually 
I want to say there was a book that had, I had my old makeup artist whose name was Paige Padgett. I say old because I don't live in LA anymore. Um, she wrote a whole chapter and I think it's slim for life, uh, all about green cosmetics and, or, or you could Google it. Dr. Hauschka is one brand. Um, Zuzu Organics is another brand. Um, I try to keep the stuff off my face when I'm not working. So sure, sure. my makeup artist and a, uh, but there was a whole, yeah, you could probably just Google like chemical free makeup, right? You really want to, yeah. Like there's a brand um, of skincare that I use called Fawn Lily. And it's like one of, one of these same thing, like mommy run yep. homegrown. Yep. And she grows like botanicals in her garden. <laughs> like I just got my monthly serum today and it's turmeric and saffron. And it's, there's no, not only is it all like awesomeness, which is great, but there's no, there's no those insane chemicals. Stuff that makes things last for as long as a Twinkie does, which is, I'm pretty sure we're looking at forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what you put on your body goes in your body. There's a great documentary. I think it's called Toxic Beauty. Came mm. out several years ago, but it talks all about, you know, you put it on your body, it goes in your body and it doesn't run through the liver and the kidneys, which makes it even that much more nefarious. Mm. Like it's you know mitigate all of that common yeah. sense. Try to go with the whole foods. And by the way, the more fiber you get in your diet, the more it's removing excess estrogen and xenoestrogens and helping to keep things balanced. Mm -hmm. The more you stay active, the more it helps balance your hormones. When you you know when you don't work out and you have a lot of excess body fat, it's a major major endocrine disruptor. Oh, sure. So, I mean, even we saw with COVID, like fat cells stored some, like those with more fat cells were at a greater risk for having more adverse dying, effects from the virus. Straight dying. up dying. Yep, the yep, CDC came out with this study and it was like, yeah. oh, some crazy, there was like 70 plus percent of the fatalities from COVID were due to obesity. And I, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like, this is nuts. We're not allowed to have this conversation anymore. Obesity has become a third rail conversation in this country. God forbid you say you don't celebrate it because it kills people. You're an asshole and we're going to cancel you and you're old school and you're never working again. And it's just like, dude, what? This is, it's called science. It just is like, I'm actually sorry. Funny. You have you actually very like calm, rational perspectives to everything. You know, you can watch some doctors field. out there and they'll be like, pushing keto like crazy. They're pushing certain things like crazy. And then, you know, here you are that, you know, you can get, uh, catch a little flack every now and again for what is actually rooted in like a pretty reasonable perspective, actually. I catch flack because it's, it's no longer on message to say Everybody's things. so sensitive. You know, I, I find it fascinating that to spare someone's feelings, we would risk their lives. Hmm. That's the part that I'm just, I'm like, wow. and, and the person who tells you, you know, oh, you can be healthy at any size and it's all good. That is a person that's full of it. Yeah. That's somebody who's virtue signaling to sell you something so that you like them. They're full of it. It's a lie. Yeah. And you cannot be healthy at any size. It's not true. So yes. you know, I've had that debate with a host of people and I'm like, wow. You know, there are people that are, you know, 
50 pounds over whatever. And, and they're perfectly healthy. I'm like, well, what biomarkers are you looking at? Are you just looking at their blood sugar? Are you just looking at their blood pressure? Are you just looking at their cholesterol? Because there are many, many other biomarkers. Did you look at their microbiome? I highly doubt it. Guarantee you it's messed up. Do you know what that's connected with? And cognitive function, uh, immunity, the list goes on and on. Did you look at you know, how much fat has planted itself in their organs, their heart, their brain, their liver, their kidney? No, I highly doubt it. Do you, did you look at their hormone balance to see how this fat is disrupting their, their endocrine system? No. I mean, it's, it's like saying the earth is flat and I'm not willing to do it. I will not do it. I refuse to do it. There are things I won't comment on because it's not my business and I'm not an expert. I'm like, I have an opinion on it, but I'm not an expert. So I'll stay out of it. I'm an expert in this area. I've been doing this for since I was 17 years old. I've worked with the, some of the top endocrinologists, registered dietitians, physical therapists, and the list goes on you, for decades. This is science. Obesity kills people. And if you care about people, you will care about whether or not they are obese or not, period. Yeah. Well, you know, you've, you've worked with quite a few. Um, do you, I mean, like you're such a businesswoman. I've always admired that about you. You're like, you have a business mind. You think about like, there's just, you have a lot of layers to what you do. I mean, you have a podcast, right? You have a podcast. You've been, you've had a podcast longer than about anybody. I feel like you've been doing that forever, right? I know. Yeah. Well, it came off of a radio show um in california on kfi am 640 but that i wasn't able to do live so we started doing podcasts like i want to say almost a decade ago yeah yeah i remember like seeing pictures or hearing about you being in studio anyway so you have all these things going on but what is your why like what's your mission i mean what kind of what what grounds all of it and gives you the motivation to keep going for the, the jillian michaels brand um yeah, I've gotten older. It's not that exciting to me, <laughs> which is why I'm like, yeah, you don't even really? like fitness. Actually, that was one of the first things I, I was yeah. going to ask you. Is like, you don't even like yeah. working out that. So I it's know. like, I like what it affords me. Yeah, it's a means to an end. Um, what I find exciting in this, you know, this has been kind of a big debate within the ecosystem of my various businesses is growing other people's brands. So I can use the, the Jillian Michaels brand as a halo effect to invest in something like Alaya Naturals and help get the word out about this woman's company, right? Or I can help grow another trainer's profile, somebody that I think is exciting and fresh and interesting. And that's why we took the Jillian Michaels app and shifted it into the fitness app and have added Taylor Walker for prenatal fitness. And we're adding this, this guy named Ryan Clarenbach, um, who specializes in calisthenics. And we've got Jamie McFadden for self-care and Jim Donovan for sleep hygiene. Other people and other businesses are more exciting to me now. Um, I think just because it's like I've done it. I've done it and I, and I like it. I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. But bringing the things that fascinate me or the things that I'm passionate about to the forefront, that's more exciting, if you will. That's the stuff that I, I so, am interested in. You use air quotes around your brand a lot. You then you when you describe it, there's almost yeah. like a, a whatever about it, like a okay, <laughs> and right. So let's just pretend that you don't ever have to do that again. There's no such thing as Jillian Michaels brand. Who mm -hmm. are you? What 
what do you love? What, who, like, what are you at the core? I love, I mean, I love my kids. And I know this is so, like, I used to hate when people would say it because I was like, you have to say that and you're so gross. But the, the reality is, they torture me, these little bastards. And I think I torture them. But at the, at the end of the day, there is something about these kids that it, it, it for me, you realize you're, you're, it's no longer about Jillian, not that the Jillian Michaels, just Jillian. It's no longer about Jillian. You suddenly become this stepping stone to mm-hmm. something better than yourself, greater than yourself, more important than yourself something holding more potential than you do. Um, That's a fascinating feeling for me. And uh, sometimes I feel like I'm living in their memories. It's really weird. Like something will happen and I can see my kids when I'm gone being like, do you remember the time that mom, you know, and it's weird. So, so I guide my life oftentimes around that future conversation. Like, what's that conversation going to sound like when I'm gone? Like, oh my God, do you remember when that crazy bitch, da, 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 you know, <laughs> like, like I kind of live around that, like what I want that conversation to sound like. Um, it's, it's important to me. Uh, and I hope it's funny. Like, I, I just want them to laugh. And I, I want there to be like the horrendous times and the great times and the funny times but I wanted to have a story and something that they remember and something they learn from. That's really, that matters to me hugely. Putting that aside as a person, I mean, I love animals. I love travel, love my fiance. um, And I enjoy those things. Those are for me. I consider them like very selfish indulgences of, you know, I love, I love being active. I love water sports. I love, you know, courses and all of the, all of the things. So, you know, being selfish, like traveling alone with my fiance doing adventure shit is like heaven for me. So we're going to Namibia in July. Amazing. Can't wait. Can't, you know, have all this cool stuff. And that to me is like heaven. Sorry. Love it. And where I, you know, where I kind of want to die. It's like how I want my life to end. Because where's it all going? Um, who knows if I'll ever get there? I hope to God this isn't one of those lessons of like a mistake I made along the way. But oh no, you're gonna die! Don't worry. No, no, no thank you. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows if I'll get to die the way I had hoped? But you know, I look at um, people like uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of, of uh, this organization. It's called the Shedrick Wildlife Trust. It's in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And it was started by um, this this woman and her husband Daphne Shedrick, and they they like protect all of these endangered species, and they go after poachers, and they take all these orphan rhinos in, and they they provide jobs and education and healthcare to the local communities in Kenya. And I'm like, I would love, I'd love to go out that way, some mm-hmm. sort of awesome organization that I enjoy on a selfish level but that gives back as well. And I don't know, maybe I'm like, how do you, how do you do that? Like you just kind of check out of all of it and you move into something you like that. Let go of the ego. You have to let go yes! of the ego. Completely. You have to let go of the, this thing. Keep yeah. doing this thing, just let it go. And then it'll slowly, 
the, that, that part of Fade the away. ego that's associated with it, it dissolves. But what I'm sent, what I'm feeling from you is that you're a curator, right? You curate yeah. people's companies, you curate your children's lives, you want to curate your own life. Like you just like want to be this, I don't know, like this point person, but also an in-between between this sort of idea and accomplishment. And God, you like help so curate. You're right. I've never thought about that before, but yeah, that's exactly like, I would like to curate the future of health. I'd like to curate. Yeah. Like where, what my kids kind of remember and take away and, and build their, you're absolutely right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it's so good catching up with you. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's funny that we're doing it over an interview, but <laughs> I feel like I, I, I know how you're doing now. And I love to hear that. I feel like things are going really well for you. And um, I can't wait to hear wh about what you curate next. Oh, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. And hopefully, yeah, if you get out to Miami, let me know. We'll have to do it in person. Good. In the meantime, I'll just have to use your fitness app and work out with you. <laughs> Well, yeah, right. You need that. You definitely, yeah. You, you, need, you definitely got to start working out, girl. I was worried about you. You should. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.